My guest today is Dr. Pong Pong, co-author of a recently published meta-analysis that examined the role of strategy instruction with struggling readers in grades 3 through 12. The analysis sought to understand which strategies and which strategy combinations are most important to prioritize in a time-crunched intervention setting. Later, I'm joined by my colleague Alicia Lee for a conversation about practical takeaways for the intervention and regular classroom. This is To the Classroom, and I'm your host, Jennifer Saraballo. I'm so excited to welcome today Dr. Pong Pong. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. So we're here today to talk about your newly published paper, The Active Ingredient in Reading Comprehension Strategy Intervention for Struggling Readers. Let's start off with your definition, and I guess the definition of the studies in this meta-analysis, of the word strategy. Sure. Um, so strategy is a cognitive or behavioral action during reading with the goal of improving reading comprehension. In other words, uh, strategy are specific procedures that guide students to become aware of how well they are comprehending as they attempt to read. So I think of strategies as procedures as well. Like I think about talking to kids about a step-by-step how-to. Yes. But when I see the when I see strategy used in the literature, it often is a single word like monitoring comprehension or a phrase like monitoring comprehension or summarizing. Yeah, so, there's definitely more than that. Yes, I agree. Um, that's why in our meta analysis, we try to um, study uh, different types of strategy rather than just monitoring comprehension to show you know uh, uh, strategy is. Uh, uh, umbrella term for many step-by-step, right, uh, uh, action uh, students can use during reading comprehension process. So do you find that when teachers ask, stu- when, when, you're, when you're teaching kids to, to summarize, for example, mm-hmm. that teachers are actually teaching them steps to follow in order to do the summarization? They're not just telling the kids, you need to summarize now. Is that right? <laughs> Yes, I agree. Uh, actually, in our field, uh, we emphasize explicit instruction. We try to break complicated uh, strategy or skills into small steps and model each step for the kids to learn so the kids can easily di- learn those things. Yes. And always know like strategy is a very complicated uh, process. So doing the step-by-step explicit instruction way, kids can definitely learn that better and faster. That's really helpful. Thank you. So you, you spoke about this a little bit already, but why are strategies important for reading development and specifically for comprehension? Yeah. So reading comprehension, as we all know, is a rather complicated process, right? It's the ultimate outcome of reading. And because it's really complicated, it taxes working memory heavily. And reading comprehension strategy can help readers better allocate working memory resources during reading. For example, with reading comprehension strategies, uh, readers can better activate relevant background uh, knowledge and integrate all those important information from the text with background knowledge to achieve successful reading comprehension. So strategy kind of serves as a bridge between, you know, the knowledge of the readers and the information extracted from the text. 
Oh, I love that analogy of a bridge. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's because there seems to be this debate brewing about whether to teach strategies or to teach knowledge. And I think you're pretty clear as am I that this is a both and not an either or situation. And we're going to be focusing our discussion on the strategy part. But of course, we both know there's no denying that knowledge supports comprehension as well. So did you want to say anything about that before we move into the discussion of strategies? Yes, I agree with you. Um, teaching both strategies and uh, knowledge are important for reading comprehension. And this is because using strategies and searching for or activating background knowledge both require working memory. So fluent use of strategies and quick, accurate activation of background knowledge facilitate the use of working memory in reading comprehension. So they work together, strategy and background knowledge work together yeah. to facilitate the working memory in reading comprehension. Yeah. yeah. So based on some of the theoretical frameworks <laughs> you mentioned in your paper, such as Kench's construction integration model, in what ways can strategies support working memory load or cognitive load? So the construction integration model proposed by Kenji in 1988 emphasized the important role of an interactive combination of top-down and a bottom-up process in reading comprehension. Top-down means knowledge-driven, right? Students use their knowledge to understand the text. Bottom-up means uh, text-based or text-driven, information extracted from the text. So, but we know like readers ha often have a, a limited working memory capacity. Therefore, reading comprehension strategy can serve as a bridge, as I mentioned, between the top-down and the bottom-up process to reduce the working memory load during reading comprehension. For example, inferencing and prediction strategies help readers better link what they already know about the topic of the text and integrate this knowledge with what they learned from the text during reading. Dr. Kin in 2017 proposed a similar model that she called the direct and indirect effects model of reading. So this model emphasizes many skills are important for reading comprehension, including word reading, language comprehension, knowledge, working memory, and strategies. So in this model, word reading and language comprehension are the upper level skills making direct contributions to reading comprehension. In contrast, working memory is the lower but foundational skill and can only indirectly influence reading comprehension through reading comprehension strategy use and background knowledge. So in other words, both model, Kinji's model and Dr. King's model, kind of emphasize that strategy is the bridge between working memory and reading comprehension. So in what cases is reading comprehension strategy instruction cognitively demanding and overtaxing to working memory? Because you talk a little bit about this in your paper as well. Yeah. So working memory uh, refers to the ability to simultaneously process and remember information. The use of reading comprehension strategy often taxes working memory. For example, to apply the main idea summarization strategy, students need to remember the main ideas from passages they just read, right? And integrate these main ideas with the main ideas from the rest of the passages mm -hmm. as to achieve a coherent summary of the text. To use inference strategy for another example, students need to remember the information from the text 
activate relevant information from their background knowledge and integrate all those information together to make the inference. And moreover, there are many strategies students can use during reading comprehension, right? So sometimes it may become cognitively demand and challenging for students to even choose the appropriate strategy for the text. Sometimes students also use many different strategies in different places of the text reading. So switching between different strategies can also tax working memory. And we know students with reading problems often have a smaller working memory capacity and their background knowledge activation and the retrieval process is not as efficient as those among typical developing students. So strategy use may in particular seem more cognitively demanding for this group of students. Mm. So I've heard some people argue that because it's cognitively demanding, we shouldn't teach kids to do it at all. What would you say to that? Uh, so I think practice makes it perfect, right? We know research suggests that, you know, good readers uh, often has a good mastery of strategies and they use strategies to achieve better reading comprehension. So we, we know the strategy is complicated and demanding, but we need to teach the, you know, students first and then have them practice the strategy, right? So when they become fluent, they can take advantage of the strategy in the reading conversion process. So you have to teach them, have them practice the strategy to yeah. make use of it, right? Because as you practice it, it becomes more automatic. So you're not having yes. to think through it anymore. Therefore, it's less taxing. Is that true? That, exactly, yes. Yeah. So you write in your paper that reading comprehension strategies are helpful when used alone, but are considered to be more effective when used together. Can you share what research had shown prior to your meta-analysis in that regard? Yeah, sure. So previous reviews on strategy use recommend the combinations of reading strategies in natural learning situations. For example, the report from National Reading Panel at 2000 presented some evidence on effectiveness of multi-strategy intervention. This report also highlighted that multi-strategy is the most promising for use in classroom instruction where teachers and readers interact over texts. Furthermore, multi-strategy instruction can provide some flexibility as to which strategy are used and when they are taught over the course of a reading session. In another review by Gersten at 2001, the authors suggested that the potential effects of even single strategy on improving reading comprehension, but emphasize that the need to explicitly teach multiple strategies together with background knowledge. However, before our study, no empirical studies or reviews systematically explored if there is the most important strategy, why certain strategies should go together, or if the more strategy we teach, the better reading comprehension outcomes we can expect. Our studies show that for interventions with limited time among students with reading problems, different combinations of strategies may produce different effects on reading comprehension. It is not the more we teach, the better outcomes to expect based on our findings. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, your study focused on um, looking at struggling readers in grades three through 12, which I think is an important context. Um, For the purpose of your meta-analysis, what classification did a reader need to have to be considered struggling? Or you also use the word reading difficulties, having reading difficulties. What's kind of the threshold there? So we understand the population of students that were part of the study. So we don't have a specific criterion um, for the identification of struggling readers in this meta-analysis. We included studies that described their participants as struggling readers or students with reading difficulties in grades uh, 3 through 12. And doing this, we were able to include more studies to increase the power of analysis, but Mm -hmm. um, hopefully to make our results more generalizable. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah, I was I was just curious about that because um, I, I wondered if it was based on state testing, right? Because these are kids that get tested on standardized assessments or if they're teacher-reported struggling readers, but we really don't know is what you're saying. Um, yeah. Okay, so from your review of the National Reading Panel, you mentioned already in 2000, um, their findings as well as a study by Gersten et al., that show different effect sizes for different strategies. There was quite a range from 0.32 to 1.15. Your study also seeks to discover what strategy or combination of strategies is most effective, just like you just said. But what I'm wondering is if the strategies in any of the studies you analyzed were taught to the study subjects at random, or was there a pre-assessment and they were taught responsively. For example, the participants were screened and figured out, you know, these students really needed help with sequencing. So we're going to teach them summarizing strategies. Or these students really needed help with going beyond the literal information in the text. So we're going to teach them inference strategies. Was there any sort of matching of the strategy to the need of the student? Or is it sort of all at random? Yeah, this is a really good point and a question. So among the reviewed studies, Few individualize their strategies and instruction based on students' need, right? Interesting. Our, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, our findings suggest that different combination of strategy may produce different effects on reading comprehension. And this finding remain relatively stable for different age groups, different text types, different reading difficulty status, different mm-hmm. reading comprehension assessment type, and different intervention dosage. So this finding is behind... Uh, consistent for in different situations. But that said, we were unable to investigate how students' prior strategy knowledge or their working memory capacity level may influence the effectiveness of the strategy instruction, right? Maybe for some kids with already know summarization, already know, right, inference making, mm-hmm. they may not need, right, like the instruction of those two. Um, so, we think it's necessary to consider such an individualized approach in the future empirical studies or meta-analysis that has data to answer this, uh, this question. Yeah, but definitely, I agree, uh, it should be individualized. Yeah, if you're interested in working with anybody on that, that is that is what I do. So you can you yeah. can reach out to me and we can find some schools and we can try this out because I think it's, you know, from my experiences as a teacher and I, I work in schools around the country and throughout Canada. Um, 
you know, kids are just really different thinkers. Some kids are universal thinkers and they have no problem reading an informational text and saying, well, this was mostly about, and they can come up with a main idea or a brief summary statement. And you ask them the details and they have a really hard time coming up with the details. And then there's other kids who will go on and on and on about details, but have a very hard time synthesizing or putting it together. So if I taught those two different kids one same strategy and looked at the effectiveness It's hard to know, and this is my logic, you can tell me if I'm wrong from a statistical or research perspective, but it's hard to know if the strategy really had the effect because they needed it or or didn't need it, or if they already were able to do it, right? If I teach a summarizing strategy to someone who can already summarize, that's not their weakness. That's not not what they need. Um, Yeah, I would love to see more of that in the in the research. And if you need a volunteer, I'm happy to help collaborate. (laughs) Yeah. So actually, in our field, uh, some researchers already started to uh, investigate this more systematically, right? They call this aptitude by treatment interaction. So Mm. in other words, treatment should be adjusted to the student's characteristics to make the treatment more effective, right? So if the kids or students already know, right? Like I said, summarization. So you may not need to emphasize that much during your strategy instruction. Whereas, you know, in contrast, you can just provide other strategy the student may not know. So, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. All right, well, let's get back to your study then. And not just <laughs> other studies. But back to your study. What did you find were generally the most effective strategies or combinations of strategies? So based on our findings, uh, based on our data we have here, we found that um, main idea, text, structure, and retail, when learned and applied together as the primary strategies, produce the biggest effects on reading comprehension outcomes among uh, struggling readers. I think one explanation is that main idea and retail may serve as umbrella strategies mm-hmm. that often tap the function of many other strategies, right? For example, the application of retail often includes the use of prediction and the graphic organizers. Mm-hmm. To summarize the main idea or retail, readers often need to apply inference strategy and self-monitoring to check the coherence of the main idea and retail. And the use of text structure can help readers better plan and organize their reading comprehension strategy ahead of time so they can more efficiently use their cognitive or working memory resources during reading comprehension. However, we also found that background knowledge was a significant moderator. And in other words, for interventions without background knowledge instruction, we did not find any strategy or strategy combination as effective in improving reading comprehension. In contrast, more strategies or strategy combination were significantly effective when background knowledge instruction was included in the interventions. This finding suggested that background knowledge is the foundation for reading comprehension strategy instruction. The effects of strategy instruction can be greatly enhanced when background knowledge instruction is included. One explanation is that fluent background knowledge activation and retrieval during reading comprehension can save working memory resources, which can be used to facilitate the use of strategies. Mm, So practically speaking, I'm thinking if I'm an intervention teacher and I'm supporting students who need um, help with their reading comprehension, I should probably 
plan a text set that's around a common topic, maybe even a text set that's connected in some way to what we're studying in science or social studies, maybe give them a little bit of um, support with the kinds of vocabulary or or topics that they're going to learn about, and then teach the strategies and ask them to practice the strategies within that text set. Is that a fair application of the research? I I think so. Yeah. Actually, many intervention studies I know are doing that. Like before you dig into it, dive into the comprehension strategy practice, uh, uh, practitioners or researchers always, you know, review vocabulary, you know, review the topics relevant to the text. So in the hope to activate the background knowledge of the readers, Mm -hmm. so they can have the background knowledge there ready whenever the kids want to use it. So have that ready, a background knowledge ready in your mind can definitely save the working memory sources. Because mm-hmm. think about it, if the kids do not know any information about the text, the kids have to use working memory and a strategy to figure out every single piece of information yep. from the text. That is really demanding. And we know uh, struggling readers always have like small working memory. And that is made it even more difficult for them to uh, comprehend the text. So Bible knowledge kind of serve as like, you know, like a foundation. a foundation. If you know that, you can retrieval it quickly without even thinking about it. Yeah. And then apply strategy on, on top of it, just make the reading comprehension process more fluent, mm-hmm. less cognitively demanding. I'm also thinking another pro- potential, you know, practical application is to say, <laughs> find out what your kids are really into already, like their own, their own interests, their own background, yeah. not like school-based topics, but like they could be really into Star Wars or they could be really into dinosaurs or they could be right. And then say, I'm going to find the text that already aligned to what they know rather than trying to teach them new content and new strategies. Would you say that might be a good idea too? I think that's a great idea because uh, find something the kids are interested in about actually motivate them make them more likely to search or activate their background knowledge, right? That actually saved their working memory capacity, which can be used for strategy practice and learning. Yeah. That's a definitely good way to, uh, to help them utilize their background knowledge to facilitate the use of strategy. And I have one other idea too, which is we talked about topic-based sets, but I'm also thinking this might be why... Um, series books are so supportive, especially for maybe that third through eighth grade, that third through eighth grade range. If I'm reading in a series, that the book, the series books help support my background knowledge because I already know the characters at the early levels. Sometimes the, um, the plots have a predictable structure to them, like in the magic Treehouse books where Jack and Annie always go in the treehouse and then they go back in time and then they come back to the treehouse. So if I know to expect that, it frees me up to be able to try some of these new strategies, right? Series books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the fun, you know, to me, the rationale is that you can't, you try to build the background knowledge along the way, but also have the kids activate those background knowledge along the way while they're doing the reading comprehension. So doing this definitely free up their working memory resources, which they can use to practice strategy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my last question for you, um, and then if there's anything else you want to share, of course you can. But in the title of your paper, you have um, 
what is it? Active ingredient is in the title. And I wanted to just kind of talk about that term um, so that we can understand it. Can you explain your active ingredient versus ingredient interaction hypothesis? And then, what, well, first of all, what does that even mean? <laughs> and then what did your yeah. analysis show? <laughs> sure. Um, so given the multi-component nature of most reading intervention or programs nowadays, reading researchers often... Uh, emphasize or tend to implicate an active ingredient framework. That is, interventions focusing on or including a specific reading skill may significantly increase the effects compared to the ones that without such skill. So we call the active ingredient, right? In contrast, ingredient interaction uh, model emphasize the interactions among skills in the intervention from a conceptual cognitive load and a practice time perspective. Conceptually speaking, it is likely that a certain skill exerts its biggest effects on a reading outcome only when taught with other skills. Our studies kind of support this claim by showing that certain combination of strategies seem to produce different effects on reading comprehension. From a perspective of cognitive loads of instruction, the more skills or strategy you packed in the time-limited intervention or program, the bigger cognitive load there will be for students to learn and master those skills, right? And moreover, the practice time of different skills in a multi-component intervention may differ depending upon how many skills or strategy you packed in an intervention. The more you packed in an intervention, the relatively less time would there be for the practice and the learning of each skill. We're talking about in the intervention setting where time is kind of limited, right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, the active ingredient framework emphasizes an additive relation among different skills in intervention like one plus one equals two, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas ingredient interac interaction framework highlights different combinations of skills produce different effects. It's not one plus one equals two. It may be one plus one larger than two, or maybe one plus one smaller than two. So I think that is the difference between those two models uh, we presented in this paper. And our uh, results actually support, support it the ingredient interaction hypothesis. Maybe certain strategy work best together. And it is not the more you include the better outcome you expect because of the cognitive loads coming with the number of skills strategy. And maybe just by including certain a certain number of strategy can optimize the practice and learning time of those strategy rather than, you know, put everything in an intervention that students do not have enough time <laughs> mm -hmm. to practice, to become fluent of those strategies. Back to our first, you know, uh, what we talked about, you know, if the strategy is, complica is complicated, right? Is work yeah. memory taxing. If the students do not have enough practice on those strategy, it will become like a challenge or even impede their reading comprehension process. So you want to ensure that they have enough time to practice and master those strategies in the intervention setting. But I think like what you were talking about before with looking at something like retelling, 
in order to retell well, it's in, like an umbrella because you have to also determine what are the most important events. You have to sequence. You have to say things briefly and understand how to not talk about every single detail, but just talk about the most important ones. You might predict what's going to happen. You have a knowledge of plot structure and how stories go. So there is a way in which some of the strategies, like you're, like you're theorizing, are more impactful because in order to teach your way to that particular skill, you have to teach them a lot of different steps along the way and a lot of different parts to that larger That's step. right. Yes, that's right. And I also want to emphasize this point, uh, you know, uh, for this paper. Although we find an optimal combination of strategies, right, main idea, uh, retail, and uh, text structure as the most effective one, right, for improving reading comprehension, we do not say only teach those strategies. <laughs> we just emphasize, yeah, we just emphasize that if you want to, if you have a limited time, right? You want to choose strategies to teach and for the students to practice on. Maybe these three, right, could be the candidates to teach together, right? If the students do not know, like you said, like some strategy within those umbrella strategies, such as inference making, prediction, if the students do not know those strategies, you have to teach them, right, those strategies. We just emphasize that these main idea, uh, text structure, and and, uh, uh, retail could be the umbrella strategy or the go-to strategy teachers can choose to teach with limited time. Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, to emphasize that point too for those that are listening who are classroom teachers who have their students all day are teaching English language arts, science, social studies, where they could be teaching strategies across the day. It's a different message, I think, right? Because they're not so constrained by time. That they can be yep. incorporating many more strategies, different combinations of strategies. Of course, not all at once, because we want to be aware of cognitive load, and of of course, in support uh, while supporting you know background knowledge that we know that that's important. But um, you're 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 really focused on the very time limited intervention setting for struggling readers. That's correct. After all, all the strategies we studied or including this meta analysis are already. Uh, shown to be evidence-based effective right. strategies, right, from prior studies. We just want to find out the optimal one under limited, uh, you know, time uh, intervention setting. Yeah. Well, Dr. Pong Pong, I really enjoyed this conversation and I enjoyed your paper. I'll link to it in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today and for your scholarship. Thank you so much. I now welcome my colleague, Alicia Lee. Let's talk about strategies. I really appreciated how clearly the study was laid out and how clearly um, Dr. Pong Pong explained his study. What really stuck out to me was one of the things that stuck out to me is the idea that um, his metaphor of the bridge, that kind of really put that, I'm such a visual learner. I just have that in my head that strategies can be the bridge between the reader and the text, and it kind of serves this important interaction. And I just, I feel like that's going to stay with me. Yeah, it made me think about the active view of reading model, right? And this idea that readers are approaching a text actively trying to make that connection between the text and themselves and problem solving and troubleshooting along the way. Um, 
I think one thing I'm just really curious about and I want to learn more about is what he referred to as the aptitude by treatment interaction, fancy word for basically assessment-based strategy construction. So we know what the kids need and then we're going to teach based on what they need. Yeah, when you mentioned that, I think in the study there, the effect sizes, there was such a range. and Huge range, yeah. I wonder if that range could be explained by, I guess, what we would call assessment-based intervention mm-hmm. or instruction. Mm-hmm. What What did you think about like the three um, strategies that were he sort of named? Um, I guess as being most effective if used mm-hmm. together in, mm-hmm. in intervention time. What it was like main idea, retail mm-hmm. tech structure. I've been mm-hmm. thinking a lot about that because obviously, as I use the reading strategies book more and more, those are the ones that do come up a lot. And I I do feel like, like, for example, text structure, it's in the reading strategies book 2.0. A lot of those strategies are, are actually inside the main idea chapter. Yes, they are. As a way to help kids or students, um, I guess, come up with the main idea. So I think those three strategies, main idea, retail stru- text structure, they kind of all interact. They all kind of go together. I think if you can do one, you can do the other well in a way because main idea in fiction, to me, that's sort of finding the theme or like the purpose of that yeah. text. And so, yeah, I could see it going either way. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's interesting to think about like my hierarchy of goals on the narrative side, I've got plot and setting first and on the information or expository reading side, I've got main idea first. And like you said, included in that are those text structure. And I think about that as like, you've got to know how the story or the informational piece is built in order to figure out what's it about, what's most important, what am I going to take away, which is essentially, what do I understand from the text? That's the comprehension, right? So yeah, in the plot and setting chapter, there's a ton of strategies to break down how do I retell this text? Like the uh-oh, uh-oh, few and thinking about that story mountain like that. Um, or thinking about what's the problem in the story and then anchoring your retelling on that problem. It's a way to make explicit how do I know what's most important to retell? So there's a lot of narrative structure stuff in that plot and setting stru- chapter. And then for main idea, I've got, you know, there's a problem solution, there's a cause and effect, there's a, if I know those different structures, then as a reader, I can then pick out what's most important. For example, if I know that the, the, you know, the piece is set up as a, let's say I'm reading about climate change, and the author has written about the, the many different causes of climate change. And then I have the many effects that climate change has on people, on animals, on on um, on on plants, right? On our whole ecosystem. Then I can see what are the direct connections between the two, and I can use that to craft a main idea statement that captures both cause and effect. But if I'm not aware of the cause and effect, then my main idea might be really simple and just say something like, "This is about climate change." But there's a lot of things about climate change. What makes this particular text unique is in some ways related to the structure of the text that the author set up, which then also, of course, relates to what are the specific details that back up those main ideas. So I've got to say, I'm not surprised that it's important to teach kids about it. And I really appreciated his discussion about how it's likely that those are kind of umbrella 
strategies with a lot of teaching that needs to go underneath it to be able to help kids to really retell well, to really name the main idea well, to really understand the text structure well. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah I, the idea of an umbrella strategy is is pretty powerful because the idea that, yes, you're teaching retell or summarizing, but there's a lot of stuff in there. So in order, one of your strategies, the one of, I always talk about this one because it's my favorite one, the one about... Um, and the narr- uh, when you summarize a narrative text, think think about the character's problem and their uh-ohs and how mm-hmm. they resolve it. To do that, you know, students need basic knowledge about like who are the characters, like what's the plot, mm-hmm. what's the setting, what's what's the um, problem, and kind of be able to use that language fluidly. I'm, I'm just thinking, especially for our youngest learners, and there's a lot there to be able to retell well, really, and and um. Yeah, I think same with main idea. Yeah, you know, what you're saying is making me think about how this study looked at studies, or it was a meta-analysis of studies in grades 3 through 12. And if we think about how texts get more complex across those grade levels, we could think about how text structure, because the structure gets more complex, is essential to know. Like, we, you talked about the uh-oh, uh-oh, few strategy, which is a great strategy for a simple problem-solution plot structure, which kids might encounter in third grade. But by the time they're in sixth grade or seventh grade, you might have stories with alternating narrators, right? Where they're switching back and forth in time, where each each chapter goes back to the beginning of that same scene is told from the perspective of a different character. You could have two parallel st- plots, where the plots are developed back and forth across the story. You could have um, not chronological plots where there's flashback or there's foreshadowing or there's moments of dreams happening in the middle, right, which are kind of like not really moving forward through time. So talk about knowledge, right? Readers need to know, they need to understand and to be able to look for those different structures and narrative. And then if we think about um, expository text structures. When we're dealing with third graders, a lot of times the text they're reading would be pretty straightforward, you know, uh, what Freddie Hebert would call a considerate text where the where the main idea is pretty much clearly stated for you, maybe in a title or in a topic sentence or in the first paragraph or an introduction. And then you've got some details that elaborate on that, that main idea. And then it kind of wraps it up nicely for you. So it's really kind of straightforward structure. But by fourth and fifth grade, I think that's one of the reasons we start teaching a lot of those different structures is they're encountering problem solution, cause and effect. Um, The structures just get more complicated. The texts become longer. So if you're not aware of how is this text built, what are the things I need to be looking for? How do I organize the information and make sense of it? Yeah, it's no surprise to me that that's critical for supporting students' comprehension. And then just the idea of, I think he spoke about teaching the skills together. And, and while, you know, it's valuable to help kids see how a skill might work in isolation, I think it's really important that, you know, if you're, you are working on strategies, they're not doing it in isolation, but they're able to like apply it to relevant mm-hmm. grade level, I, hopefully grade level or, or just interesting text. And mm-hmm. I think that goes also goes back to, um, I think you kind of said it in the interview, but I just remembered it. I think it's so important to think about the text sets and the text complexity. Um, 
I love the idea of the series books. You mentioned that that mm-hmm. would help uh, that would help the demand of working memory, uh, sp- especially for the students who might have trouble with working memory. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think that this you know might be a shift for for some teachers listening is to just really. I, I know it, it is even for me, I'll admit, in the last few years and talking to these researchers, thinking about um, just being much more careful about what texts we're selecting, not just based on the text complexity, but based on what topics, what knowledge is required. And I want to say, you know, there's knowledge, and I've said this before, but there's knowledge in fiction as well, like not just, you know, historical fiction in a setting that's of course historical knowledge i'm talking about like knowledge of people like how people act the kinds of things we should be expecting of people remembering back to the active view and the research around theory of mind for example like that counts as knowledge too so i just want to kind of put a point in that that the um you know, when we think about knowledge building and when we think about creating knowledge-based tech sets and we think about supporting knowledge, I think it's important to not just consider content areas, but to also think about how, what kinds of knowledge is, is supporting fiction reading and to not get rid of fiction reading. I think it absolutely has a place um, in our, in our classroom and in our knowledge building agenda as well. So um, yeah, just a careful consideration of tech sets, I think is, is something that we can all take away from this conversation in addition to the helpful tips about strategy instruction. Well, maybe we should stop there for today. Alicia, thank you so much for your time and for joining me in conversation. Okay, thank you. And thank you for listening. Please support To The Classroom by sharing, subscribing, or leaving a review on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. Find out more about me and my work at my website, jenniferceravallo.com. Mm-hmm.